What's going on, everyone? Thanks for checking out another episode of Where Are the Growing Ups? All episodes of this podcast can be found on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, and SoundCloud, where you can go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and give us a five-star rating. Or if you like the podcast, you can go and share it with your friends, family, on social media, or just with anyone you think might find these conversations interesting. Now, any support you give really helps this podcast grow and therefore is hugely appreciated. So a preemptive thank you for everyone who's already taken the time to leave us a review or share the podcast. And now with that out of the way, on to today's guests. Today's guest is quite the character who needs very little introduction. He's a man of many talents, most notably as a rap artist. And you can find out his music or more about him. Just check him out on social media, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is you use. Just type in his rap name. But before you do that, get to know him and enjoy this conversation with Lord Payback. conversations now recorded I can go back and listen to them over, over and over and over again and the few that I've done about a, I don't know a dozen or so have and, I, and I've been able to take the little gems I found in each podcast and implement them in my life have made a huge difference already and it's only been three or four months so that's kind of where where I'm at right now it kind of evolved in the beginning I was just like oh, I, I want to just talk to people to now I want to have these conversations be meaningful and, and be impactful for myself and for anyone who listens to it. And you know, like I said, I only have maybe at most 100 people will download an episode and listen to it. doesn't seem like a lot, especially when you're looking at numbers, like podcast numbers of people have hundreds of thousands or millions. But at the same time, I've done public speaking. And if you think of a room of 100 people all around listening to you, it's a lot of people. It's a big crowd. And if one or two people out of that crowd get any benefit the way I have, then I, th- I think of it as a success. No, that is that's <clears> the right way to look at it. And you know, I've tried to have, I've reached out to other mentors I've had previously to come on. They're obviously busy or I might not be in contact with them anymore to have them on here. But for a short amount of time, maybe two months it was, you were somewhat of a mentor. Um, and that, that was a weird time where I I left for myself, where I I left, you know, my job that I was at, that I thought I was going to be at forever. Um, And I realized I just couldn't do what I wanted to do there and completely flipped the script to, to a corporate job. It's essentially what that, what that was, um, where I'd met you and realized very quickly, like, I don't like this at all. I don't like a far thing from a corporate job though. Well, in, in the realm of health and fitness sitting in an office staring at a computer yeah. for eight hours a day in a corporate job like that job I mean there's a lot of benefits to it you get to make your own hours and stuff you come and go as you want so you could actually do other things yeah well I, I did come and go as I wanted and I wasn't supposed to because I was so new yeah but which no one really cares. no one cared and I, I was one of those people who didn't care because I, I, when I once I realized like okay I don't like having a boss I don't like having meetings I don't like anyone telling me what to do because I'm stubborn, 
which is probably why we got along. <laughs> no, I, just, I don't like I don't like having a boss either. Um, but you were really there to because I would I probably would have left after a few weeks, but. I kept you there for you, six you, weeks. You kept too. me there for, I think it was close to eight. Okay. But you, you know, I had Josh on here. The, the the people were really cool, which was, I guess, something I didn't expect. Not that I expected everyone to be douchey or, or shitty people, but I just didn't expect everyone to be that laid back, that interesting, that fun to be around. So that made it, that made it better. And then, you know, again, having you kind of take me under your wing to teach me the ins and outs of how to be more successful at that job was a, a huge help and it's kind of translated into the other things I'm doing now and in that I got to learn a very little bit about you very little a bit very little bit, bit about you <laughs> some of your nuances I, I, and tendencies maybe um, I'm a little different right yeah uh, but you know the stuff you have going on <clears throat> outside of that job that you, you really do care more about yes. or, or I would say would you say it's your passion yeah Right. So yeah. I want to, I kind of want to hear how you got into that. I know you didn't grow up on Long Island, right? No, I'm from Brooklyn. And you lived there your whole, well, not obviously not your whole life, Majority but until. Of my life, yeah. My whole, yeah. And what was it like growing up in Brooklyn? As what? As opposed to what I see when I'm in Long Island now? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've lived on Long Island my whole life. I have traveled a decent amount, but, you know, I've lived in this, in the suburbs my I was whole life. all over the place. Uh, I mean, living in Brooklyn is a lot rougher than living around here. What I see with some of these people here, like a lot of people, especially at uh, at the job and stuff, they like have no clue as to the reality of life where they they live. They're very fortunate. Mm -hmm. uh, that place is really like just that's a blessed place, man. It's it's like what's called good soil. Like everything, there's just all successful people there. They like they. They migrate there. I mean, you got one or two assholes mixed in within the group there, but most of those people- You're talking about Brooklyn yeah. and living in Brooklyn or no, working I'm talking at about Lifetime? over here on Lifetime okay. and stuff. I kind of went off uh, the tangent, which you asked me a little bit, but I mean, to get back to, I mean, I don't know. You don't really think about it. Like that's just what kind of what it is and stuff. Yeah. You're living in Brooklyn and stuff. It's it's a lot rougher than, than living out here. Uh, Which neighborhood did you grow up? Because I know it's like now if you go into Williamsburg, it's not a very rough neighborhood. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's kind of different because I, I was born in Midwood, but I never hung out in my own neighborhood. Okay. Uh, like as a little kid, my mom wanted me to go to a better school because they didn't, the school up the block from us didn't have like special programs where you know, the more intelligent kids mm -hmm. went. So we used my grandmother's address to go to a really nice uh, neighborhood in Mill Basin, which is a really nice neighborhood. So there was a better program there. But then just as life went on, I kind of uh, migrated to the rougher neighborhoods. That's kind of was just what I was, I guess. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been in the very wealthy neighborhoods in Brooklyn as a kid, and then I was more hanging out in the worst of the worst ghettos in Brooklyn just mm -hmm. voluntarily because that's what I enjoyed doing. Yeah, you felt attracted to that environment. Yes. What, like, what was that pull? For how old were you like when you would spend more time there? Because obviously you're not eight years old. High school. You're not eight years old going to hang out in a ghetto. No, in I mean I grew. I, I mean I hung out <laughs> in Crown Heights. That's where I was like all the time. That's where all my friends were. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my brother's friends uh, was from there and then we just started hanging out with him and then we just went to the neighborhood and then you, before you know it, you know like the whole block, the two blocks, three blocks and before you know it, you know, you're there all the time and stuff. I don't know, it's, it's really, I like violence, I guess. Like I liked all that stuff, violence and uh, 
uh, I guess, a charge and stuff. But that's always what I was attracted to, like smoking weed, hanging out on corners and stuff and uh, playing dominoes and <laughs> listening to rap music. I mean, that's what I did. I played basketball and I listened to rap music. So the majority of my friends were always black. Yeah. It just makes sense with what my interests were. Uh, it wasn't like I went out of the way like, oh, I want to hang out with black people, so I like rap music and basketball. <laughs> it's like I played basketball and I liked rap music, so naturally just black people are more into that usually than white people, so sure. the majority of my friends were black. Uh, and I don't know. I'm kind of like a wild boy, so it's just it was you know the attraction, I guess, to be there. Uh, now that you know I'm a little older and I bought a house and I live out here and stuff, I think back, what the fuck was I thinking that I would voluntarily go to places where people just got shot and, you know... We used to laugh at things that most normal people don't laugh about. Like, we had conversations, my, me and my man uh, JP, one time we were talking, and he was telling me about someone who got stabbed or something, and we started hysterical laughing about it, and I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, normal people don't find this shit funny. They're, like, horrified by the things we find humorous and stuff, yeah. but I don't really care. Well, that's the environment that you're in, right? If you're used to seeing that, then it, you become kind of desensitized to it. I mean, it wasn't like an, a normal occurrence where every day I'd walk down the block and someone would be stabbed and stuff. I don't want to like right. portray well, a picture like, like that, Chicago. but you know, but it, it could happen at, anything could happen at any time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, pretty much. Damn. I, I Yeah, see, I, that's, that's just like one small piece of, of what I see, again, living in the suburbs is I know a lot of people who have never, never left Long Island. You can tell when and you talk it, to them. Yeah, because everything they think and they believe is in this very secluded bubble of a few, you know, a radius of a few square miles. And then to hear even, you know, a couple of cities over, you're in Brooklyn. And I mean, there are ghettos, quote unquote, ghettos used to not on like Long, Island, from Long Island. But, well, right. I was going to bring that up. There's, there is this little bit of uh, animosity where, you know, from Long Island to we just told Brooklyn you all to Min Yeah. That's what it was. Even like when you guys like you know we used to be on the clubs in the city and stuff, we would pick you out right away because you have like that that look of like a, you don't know what the fuck is going on type mm -hmm. of look. Like we could pick you out right away. Like all oh, these these Long Island you know idiots right here or something. Yeah. You know, not that like you know we didn't attack you or anything, but it was just more like this guy's no problem right here. You know, right, he right. Even know where he is. Yeah, and you could like you said, you could kind of tell that just by seeing someone, they see a little out of place. Like, all right, yeah. you're not from around here. Yeah, you're not from around so here. So now I have to kind of check you out. Like, what what's going on? Do I have to be worried about you? Do I not have to worry about you? We never thought we had to be worried about you. We were more like worried what we might do to you if we uh, <laughs> got provoked. Yeah, we never really felt that. Uh, but uh, like you know, as you get older in life, you want different things and stuff. Like, I would never want to go back to hanging out like the way I used to hang out. Mm -hmm. I would never want to do that. I like, like, this is nice. Like, I have a backyard, I have a house. Like, you know, yeah. it's a lot of progression in life. <clears throat> I would never, but at that time, mm -hmm. if you asked me, do I want to come out here and live? I would be like, hell no. You know? Sure. No, like, there's nothing to do there. I think it's good to live there during that time because you get tougher and you... you you're uh, exposed to more things, mm -hmm. but then I think as you mature a little bit, you want to get more out of life, and it's not it's not there for you. Right. Well, it's that same bubble, just a different bubble. You want to get out of it though, because if all you if all you know is living in that ghetto, hmm. then you, then it's gonna really warp your mindset to. Yeah, well, I never, like, I didn't live in the ghetto. Right, I went or there, spending this, a lot of time yeah, there. Like, you know, and even, like, whatever. I went there, like, I would literally, I was actually crazier because I went there voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Like, most of my friends mm -hmm. wanted to get out of there, and I was more like going there to hang out, which was actually really weird and stuff. So, but 
well, it is what it is. You are who you are. That's what you do, and you you move on from it. And the past is the past. Present is now, and the future. No one really knows what's happening. So yeah. So now, so when I'll you take were, you where I hung out, we'll go have a good time. We'll go hang out there. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know anyone in the area anymore. <laughs> we'll probably be in trouble. <laughs> so you you were going you know, like you said you'd go there voluntarily voluntarily to, to hang out. But you were going to a, a really good school that your you know your your family worked or, or well that was when I was even younger like they they put me uh, when I was I'm talking like elementary school mm-hmm. we lied about our address so I could go to a better school yeah then when junior high comes uh, the junior high school is in a different neighborhood so then you have like the neighborhood kids mixed with other kids mm-hmm. and then I more hung out with the neighborhood kids okay so. Do you think that even even at a young age in elementary school, going to a, a nicer school helped you academically, right? Because you're not, you, you know, typically you, you'll you'll someone will have this this stereotype or this this caricature of someone who's growing up in that city, hanging out in the ghettos, probably not going to go to college. Probably like they, they start to create this this very cartoonish version of what they think a person would be like. But you were very smart, went to college, got an English degree. Yeah. Do you think that even at a young age, that school played a role in that? I have no, I, like, I really have no idea to tell you the truth. <laughs> like, you don't, like, elementary school, I don't know. Yeah. And when I first went to college, I really had no interest in it mm-hmm. either. So, for when I first went, I was, I was actually, I was going to be expelled from the first college I was in. I actually withdrew before I was going to be expelled. So, then when I, <laughs> then when I went to the second school, I kind of, I got my shit together. I yeah. met uh, my future wife and everything. And she was just amazing to me because like she was, I just couldn't believe her. To this day, she's the only person I've ever told that I admired to this day. And I told mm-hmm. her that in college. And I was older than her. I was like a senior. She was like a sophomore or a freshman or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, she showed me that you can do everything because she was cool. She was still hanging out. She was going out to, you know, the clubs that we would go to a night. She was still getting good grades. And then she was like involved in every club you could think of. And I was looking at her. I was like, you can do all this. I used to think that you can't do all these things mm-hmm. I was like you know I could you know I could study or be cool I can't do both yeah I could go out or I could study I can't do both you know and then she showed me that you can and I kind of like got my shit together mm-hmm. from watching her then I started doing better in school and I realized that I could do so much more than I'm doing like I'm I'm wasting my time here yeah so but yeah, but like the first college I went to, I didn't, I didn't give a shit at all. I didn't even want to go. My mom made me go. <laughs> what? How did you? I mean, how did you almost get expelled? Was that because you weren't going to a class? It had nothing to do with academics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. Okay. It had nothing to do with academics. No. We won't incriminate you. No, I, 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 had nothing, I had nothing to do. <laughs> I had nothing to do with academics. But yeah, like so. I guess there you go. Like I got into school. I was gonna get expelled but we were smart about instead of me getting expelled we withdrew before like uh, the hearing and all Mm -hmm. that stuff because if you get expelled it goes on your record if you just withdraw then when you apply to other schools it doesn't look like it just looks like he's transferring schools it doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary (laughs) so I wound up getting into an even better school because my grades were good enough to get into a better school Mm -hmm. but that it was all a blessing and stuff you know, if I would wound up staying at that school, I would have gotten so much more trouble. Yeah. I was already get, obviously getting in a lot of trouble. I was going to be expelled from school. Uh, you know, I had to go to court. I, you know, I had to do all those things, the stupid things I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
then I went to the better school, got even better grades, wound up being on the dean's list and stuff. And I met my wife there. So, you know, that expression, anything the devil uses against you, God could turn around to work in your favor. Hmm. So God was actually getting me out of there, but he had to make me uncomfortable to get me out of there. That's like the way it works and stuff as far as like God is concerned. He has to make you uncomfortable. Anyone out there, like if you're at a job and you're not doing well and you feel like you can't take anymore, God's making you probably uncomfortable because you have something bigger in mind that he wants you to get out of. If you stay comfortable, you'll never leave. So actually one of the ways he works is he makes you uncomfortable to get you to the next Mm -hmm. step in life. So I've had that so many times in life. So now like even... At my job right now, I'm not really doing that well, but I'm just thinking, wow, something really good must be coming because I'm getting really uncomfortable here. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I, I look, I'm excited now. <clears throat> yeah. The more like negative that comes around me, I just think to myself, oh, that's good. Keep attacking me. Something really good must be coming. What's that? That whole yin and yang, right? Whether you use it in a religious context or, or if you just, you know, if you use God or gods, plural, or the, you just say the universe, whatever it is, throws out this, you know, this negative energy, this resistance that you have to then overcome to progress, to get better at whatever you're, whether it's a job to get better at the job you're doing to, like you said, you're uncomfortable in a job. Maybe it's because it's going to push you to quit and then you're going to either start your own business or find a better job or or move somewhere and meet someone or. I don't worry about anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I I don't worry about anything. I every no matter where I am in life, I come out ahead after all the smoke clears. Mm-hmm. There's times during it where it looks like it's a disaster. Oh my God, what's happening? But when it looks like the world is caving in around you, your big blessing is right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. I mean, obviously, I'm not a religious person. I'm spiritual. That's a whole different. That's okay. a whole different conversation and stuff. But if the if if the devil's trying to make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and he's attacking you left and right, why would that be? Think about it logically. Why is he showing you so much attention? Mm-hmm. There's billions of souls out there. Why are you getting so much attention? Because you're about to move on to the next step in your life. So he's trying to stop you to get you to be negative and delay what's going on. Sure. So when you're feeling that negative energy and that negative pressure around you, you should actually smile because you're a lot closer than you think you are to getting to the next step of where you want to be. Yeah. But most people can't do that. They get negative also, and then they like, you know, go back to the Bible. They have to go around the mountain again. Mm-hmm. So you get that going. negative feedback loop. It's like a cycle. You keep going around the mountain and again until you figure it out and stuff. Yeah. And you can see that in every aspect, whether it's a job, like we were just talking about, whether it's a project you're working on, maybe like in your case, being an artist, you're getting stuck on a song. If you're an author, getting stuck on a chapter of a book. If you're in a relationship and you have to break up with this person or you're getting broken up with or you could get into that negative mindset of, oh, this happened. So now, now what? Now I'm miserable and and all the negative thoughts. Like you said, that, that resistance, that devil is there and you could succumb to it or you have the choice to look at it in a more optimistic way. You have to look at everything in an optimistic way. I know it's difficult for people. I get it and everything. I talk to people all day at work, mm-hmm. all day. People come to me all the time and want to talk to me about things and stuff. And you know how I am. I act like an idiot the majority of the day just to entertain myself because mm-hmm. I'm bored out of my mind. So it's yeah. my way of getting through the day and stuff. But people, you also know me though, when someone really wants to talk about something serious, I also can give them yeah. really good <clears throat> advice and point them in the right direction and stuff. Uh, life isn't easy. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not, but it is fun. It's it can a, it's be. A, I, I was talking about this, you know, uh, to a lot of people. But I like to view life as a video game. It's just 
a giant video game, and then this life is just one level you of go this around infinite video game. Yeah, no. yeah, we go. <laughs> no, but um, but it's it's you know there was infinite levels before this level, and there's going to be infinite levels after, and then this body is just an avatar for this level. So rather than when something happens, succumb to it and be miserable and let it affect you. You could acknowledge it. You could have your emotions, but keep them in check and then just keep moving on. Keep playing the game because it's the greatest game ever made. It's really what it is. Life is a, no, I agree <laughs> with you. I do think life is a game. I tell people that all the time. So why not play it and try and play it big and stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know all the things I'm, I do and I'm involved in. I play life big and stuff. I take a lot of risks. Some of them work, some of them don't. And I also learned in life it's okay to hit a single. Not everything has to be a home run. Mm-hmm. I used to assume everything was a home run. If it wasn't something where I was going to make at least $50,000, I wasn't interested. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't care. Like, I'm not interested in doing it. And I learned that's really stupid. Right. If you can make $50 doing something, that $50 will pay for my lunch or something, do it. Like, yeah. don't just, I mean, you got to think about it. If you swing for home runs all the time, what happens? You strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. It's okay to hit a single. It's okay to hit a double. It's okay to do those little things to keep progressing to get to the point you need to get to. And you'll hit a home run every now and then. Yeah, that's something I've been learning recently with like with you know starting other businesses and things like that of like one is time. You know, I I think most people always assume something's going to happen a lot faster than it than it does. Absolutely. But another one is like expecting, okay, we're going to release this product and it's that's going to be the one to blow it up. It's like, well no, this is just going to be a good product and we have now instead of we have a, like you said that one home run product, we have you know three, four, or five products that are doing great. They're not home runs, but maybe they're, uh, you know, to you keep that sports analogy, a couple doubles and a couple singles. Yeah. But as long as you're consistent. You'll stay in the league. Yeah. If you're in singles all the time and doubles, you'll stay in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, like, I, uh, I had a song in that movie Sisters that came out. Uh, was it only Tina Fey? Tina Fey and, and uh, Amy, Amy Poehler. Poehler. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, but Amy Poehler, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Saturday Night Live fan. I mean, you know, that movie wasn't my type of movie but mm-hmm. obviously I sort of had the song in it and I'm going to listen to it but that song I did seven years ago before it got in the movie that song was like a violent song that I made for a DVD called Ghetto Fights <laughs> so like so the, the, what's the name of the song? A Beat Down okay so the it was made, that's what it was made for. Seven years later, it's in a comedy. <laughs> so, like, you, who I could have never guessed that anywhere in my life. And yeah. that's, to be honest, that's not even one of my better songs. But uh-huh. there was something about the song that got in the movie. And that's not a little movie. That was a Christmas movie, too. So, Christmas movies are the ones that the studios put their money behind. Like, these are their movies. So, mm-hmm. it was in, like, one of the biggest movies. You know, it's on... Every time I turn on uh, the TV on cable, it's it's still on. It, it runs all day and night, and I'll get money from that for the rest of my life. I'll be yeah. getting checks from that movie and stuff. But like when you said you never know where it's going to take you, if you told me that that movie seven years later, I didn't I even remember the song, to be honest. Like if you told me right now to rap the song, I wouldn't even know the lyrics yeah. uh, off the top of my head. I'd have to listen to it a few times and you know get it down again. But that's how life works and stuff. Sometimes in life also you'll meet somebody like you said about timing and stuff, you'll meet somebody maybe at a certain time and you want to do business with them, but it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. But you had to do that initial introduction with them. So then maybe a year later when you meet somewhere else, that initial introduction will allow you, oh, remember me? We talked, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll start talking before you know it, you're doing business. Yeah, That's happened with me numerous times. I also heard something great the other day. It was on TV. I forgot. I think it was Creflo Dollar who was speaking. It was one of those guys. I watched that prayer channel. I don't know the TBN, something like that. And there's different speakers I like. But he was saying, and we all feel this way, like there's a point in life you want to do something. 
and you're like, I'm ready, and you're truly ready, like, I'm ready, like, I've been practicing, I'm ready to do this, like, you know, why isn't this happening, I'm ready to go, and he said the reason sometimes is the guy who's going to connect you to everything isn't ready yet, Mm -hmm. so you can't meet that connection yet, it's not that you're not ready, he's not ready, he's got to get his shit together, and when he Mm -hmm. gets ready, and you're ready at the same time, that's when you two will meet. And that's when everything will take place. So if you feel discouraged, like I'm ready to do whatever I'm trying to do and it's not happening, I don't understand why, think about it like that. That person that you don't even know exists yet, they're not ready. Mm -hmm. But when they are ready, you're going to meet in the right place and then you're going to see what amazing things happen and how quickly they happen. I mean, especially in the music industry, you go years and years and years of making no money, making no money, spending money, making no money. And then before you know it, it's boom, holy shit, I can't even keep track of where all the money's coming in from. Now I got to worry about who's ripping me off because I can't keep track of it. In music, you really can't keep track of where all your money's coming in. You get paid from so many different avenues. Mm-hmm. That's why anyone who knows anything about music, there's always lawsuits. If you see someone's always being sued for something. And a lot of times, I don't even think it's that people are intentionally trying to rip people off. They just don't even know how to pay people out sometimes because it just starts coming from everywhere. Yeah, I've dealt with people in the music industry. Sometimes they're so, they're so fucking stupid. They didn't even know what taxes were. <laughs> so they're, they're like getting paid and they think that there's no taxes and then they get hit with you know taxes and then they have no money left because they spent it on stupid shit. Yeah. And you think I'm joking. I, I've met people who don't know what taxes are. No, it's not, I mean, well, not that you don't. As amazing as that sounds, I've met people who didn't know what taxes were and owe the IRS a ton of money because they didn't know. Well, that's not that surprising. Maybe the didn't know part or or maybe it's just like, oh, I didn't know they applied to me. Too. No, he generally <laughs> didn't know. Like, well, because I had a conversation with him and he's, I was like, I kept saying like to myself, how don't you know? And then he got really offended. I didn't know. I was like, oh, and then I left it at that. I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know now. Yeah, probably shouldn't do business with you. Yeah, you, know? you can't like plead ignorance on that one. But that, yeah, that's very, you know, like you said, like sometimes you'll be ready and not, and the other person, whether it's business or really in any aspect of anything, your life. Anything, anything. Women sometimes they, they're having trouble making a baby and stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. your husband's not ready to have a baby. Yeah. You know? Or even to be in a relationship. Maybe one and, person's yeah. ready and one person's got emotional and, baggage and, and it's, it's like, not. hey, I can't. But that comes to being kind of like we were talking about earlier is, you know, when I was saying I, I, you know, RSVP no to things now. And I just say, I don't, it's not, it's because I don't want to rather than making any excuse. Same thing in whether it's a relationship or a business thing, rather than jerk someone around and, and make excuses, just simply say like, no, I don't have the emotional capacity to be in a relationship or I don't have the time right now to do a business to deal with you or just, just be very honest. And then you're saving everybody's time. People have trouble being honest. Yeah. And you it, feel like the way you feel is wrong. So yeah. you don't want to say how you feel about things. Say, if you don't want to do something, say no. Like, I respect someone a lot more if they just tell me no than if they bullshit me mm-hmm. and then I'm relying on them for something to happen and it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, I'd rather you just tell me no. Like, don't. Like, you know, don't. Like, now, like with my company and stuff, I got a merchandising deal and I have t shirts out that say payback on it and stuff. So, like some people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to get one. But then they don't buy it. Like I'm not even asking you to buy the thing. But don't tell me you're going to get it and then not get it. If you want it, cool. Buy it. You want to support me? Awesome. Wear the t-shirt. Enjoy it. If you don't, you don't have to get it. Right. I, I don't really care either way. I'm I'm going forward. Right. I'm, I'm going forward. You don't buy it. Someone's going to buy it. But that me personally irritates. Yeah. That makes me not want to hang out with certain people because I say what I mean and stuff. Like, like I have no problem telling someone, I don't want to hang out with you. Why? I don't really like you. Right. 
I don't, you know, and then they laugh because they usually think I'm joking. I'm not joking, but mm-hmm. they find it hysterical. So yeah. that's on you. I'm telling you the truth. But it's, it's people taking taking things personal on one side, right? So so if you if you tell someone, I, I don't want to come to your wedding, I don't want to hang out with you because I, I don't like you or I don't enjoy your company, they'll get offended. Where it's just like, oh, just just accept that. But okay, not every, there's 7 billion people. Not everyone's going to like me. Okay, that's fine. That I don't mind. I'm not, you're not a bad person for saying that. And then on the flip side, the person who is making up those excuses, a lot of the times it's not because they're, they have this, um, you know, kind of nefarious intent. They're just, it's actually the opposite. They don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. So rather than just be honest and say, I, I just don't want to be there. I, I, there's other ways I could spend my time more useful. Yeah. They want to make an excuse to please other people. So it's not all inherently bad, but it, it, either way, you're just making life harder. Yeah, I mean, the perfect example is girls. If a guy asks a girl out and they'll, like, give him the number or something and they don't really want to go out with him, uh-huh. then he calls her and she doesn't pick up and she doesn't answer. Then you send her a text, she doesn't answer. And then you're thinking, but she did give me the number. If she just said no from the beginning, yeah. uh, we like that a lot more than you telling me bullshit. And then you start to question, did she get the message? Didn't she get the message? Maybe the text didn't go through. And you, before you know it, you're like an idiot because you're bothering someone who doesn't have any interest in you. And if they just told you we don't have any interest in you, you... Right. Be fine with it. That happened One a of my lot. boys recently, I was going to go do a show and I was like, do you want to come? And he's like, no. And I said, why? He said, I don't really want to drive there. I don't want to. And I went, okay, that's honest. Yeah. And But I, but we were fine after. I wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to talk to you no more. You don't want too far of a drive for you. I'm like, right. yo. I even said, I was like, oh, well, that was an honest answer. Cool. Like, yeah. you don't want to go. I understand. Okay. Right. I, I'm not going to kill you over it. We're still friends. It's cool. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. You didn't want to go. That's cool. I didn't want to go either, but I had to. What do you want me to tell you? Yeah. No, it's, a, it's a good exercise. It's, like I said, it was something that I, I started doing more of recently and it's something I think everyone should do at least for like, try, just try it for a week. Just say, every time someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do. That you don't want to yeah, do. Don't be a dick if you want right, to do it right. and just say no yeah, to be a dick. Yeah, I don't, mean, don't, don't shut yourself out socially. Yeah. But someone, hey, you want to go to the movie? And you're like, I really don't. That movie looks stupid. I don't want to see it. You want to go get dinner with you? No, you treat your mouth open. Like, <laughs> you don't have to be mean, but just just say no if you don't want to do something. Right, like if your boyfriend asks you and you want to do anal, you don't have to say yes to it. I mean, yeah. you could always take one for the team, <laughs> but... <laughs> you know? Um, if you want to use lube, you can. I always go with a lube. Blood is not acceptable. Or tears. <laughs> so let's use that as a segue back to uh, how you got oh, in. We drift off topic a little with bit. that one? Okay. How, how you got into rapping. Like, We're going to rapping. use anal to get back into how I got into rapping. Yep. I don't know if I could correlate the two of them I'm right sure there. I'm sure you could find a way. I could figure a way. Well, I did get fucked a lot, so uh, maybe uh, maybe that is. Uh, like, how old were you when you started? When you, you know, you listened to rap music, but when you decided, hey, I, I actually, do that. if my brother will attest this, it's kind of funny. When it's always been in me, but I never knew it because when I was a little little kid, I'm not even talking how old I used to rap. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I used just to rap freestyle. I just laying in. Let me and my brother share the room. I used to rap. I'm not even gonna recite the lyrics if he was here right now. He remembers it to the day, and he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't let me ever forget about. It, so we we would get a good chuckle out of it. But I always did it, but never like really even thought anything of it. One day I was hanging out at work. It, it was a cool story. Uh, and uh, the guy behind me said to me something. He goes, "Why don't you become a rapper? That's all you talk about." And when he said it, it was really crazy because the whole world got still for a second. And I heard that little voice in my head go, you should be a rapper. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking back. It was God in my head. And I said, really? 
And he goes, yeah, you should be a rapper. And I went, okay. And I turned around. I went to him, okay, I'm going to become a rapper. I went home and I told a few of my friends, I go, I'm going to be a rapper. I was like, and I know you probably don't think I'm serious right now, but watch what's going to happen because this is what I'm going to do because I'm supposed to do it. Then I just started doing it. Then like uh, six months later, I was on BET on 106 in Park because hmm. the same guy called uh, the show like to get me an audition, like probably like being a dick to like, you know, mock me and stuff. And mm-hmm. then he got me an audition and I went down and I made the show. So, and I had only been doing it for like six months. I never even picked up a microphone before. Mm. The first time I picked up a microphone was on BET with an audience, I think like three million people. I didn't even know how to hold the mic. That was like my biggest thing. People like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I was nervous I wasn't going to hold the mic right. That's like what my <laughs> mindset was. Like I went to Harlem and stuff. I'm like probably the only white person in the, the whole thing other than my other boy. And I was like, people are like, you scared? I was like, I'm not scared. I don't know if I'm holding the mic right. I don't want to hold the mic wrong. Like that's what was on my mind, believe it or not. It's crazy, right? But that's what it was. So, uh, and then it just, you know, one thing led to the next. I mean, I got really far with it at that point. I mean, Sony was taking me out to, uh, you know, lunches and dinners and stuff. And they wanted me to be their flagship artist. Then I dealt with the wrong people. And then I kind of like, like I couldn't at that point in my life deal with all that negative energy. Like I was discussing before when you feel like the world's going to blow up. Like I felt like the world was going to blow up. And that's like, it's kind of funny because the expression is in the music industry, when you're going to take off, you're going to blow. And that's what you actually feel like inside. You feel like your whole body's going to blow up. Like I had problems at work. I had problems, uh, my landlord was driving me crazy. I had mm-hmm. problems with my girl, uh, my wife. I don't even remember if it was my girl or my wife at, at the time. Uh, and it, it was just so much. I had no peace anywhere I went. And I just got to a point where these guys were like trying to steal money from me, like st- like petty money and stuff. When we have like these guys talking about like six and seven figure deals and these idiots are stealing like a thousand dollars. Like it's just stupidity. Uh, and I couldn't handle it. So then I just got to a point where I just told everyone like, yo, fuck this. I'm not even going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Then I got into like a great depression over it. Like I didn't even leave my house for like months and stuff. Like I, I didn't work or anything, but I, I was okay. I was financially stable enough where I didn't need to. I had money. Yeah. So I didn't, I never stressed bills or anything like that. My bills get paid whether I left the house or not. So I was like, I don't want to do shit. I was like, I don't even want to get off the couch. I would like sleep like 12, 13 hours a day. People used to ask me, how do you sleep that much? I was like, it's amazing like how much you can sleep if you refuse to get up. Like if your brain says get up and you're like, no, I'm not going to get up and you're so stubborn. You're like, I will lay here all fucking day and I will not get up and I will show you. And I did it. I was like, I will not get up. But then it's like, if something's meant to be, it always recircles. I was done with the music. I, I wanted nothing to do with it. Then I got a phone call. My song was going to be in the movie Sisters out of mm-hmm. nowhere. Because I had I have my own company and I have deals. Like I have a licensing deal with one company. I have a distribution deal with another company. I have a merchandising deal. Like I've been able to get deals on my own. So these deals are still in place even though I'm not doing anything. So these people are still shopping music and, and doing what they're supposed to do. Then that came up. So that kind of like re-energized me. Mm-hmm. A little bit to do it again. Then the same thing happened. Like I hit, you know, snags with and stuff. Then I got the attitude again. Like yo, fuck this. Like I just can't take this. But now I've changed everything. I've changed. I've changed my name. I've changed my company. You know, I like everything feels better now. And now, like every time, like I hit a little snag, I don't mm-hmm. get that overwhelming negativity. I just I feel it, but I just laugh at it now. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cute. I've been through this before. Like I, it's kind of like. You go, you go through the same things over and over where you already see like what's gonna come next at one point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so this is progressing. So now I'm waiting. Where is it gonna come from now where it's gonna look like something's gonna set me back, but it's really not gonna set me back if I allow it to. Yeah. And then sometimes like I've, 
I've made deals where the deal was going to happen and then at the last second it doesn't work out whether it's me not wanting to do it or the other party but that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. that wasn't going to be the right deal if it was the right deal it would have panned out that's like god stopping me from this isn't it stop this mm-hmm. isn't going to work out and stuff and even like uh my single now the get sexy song like that song is a hit song you can you cannot tell me otherwise I, everyone who hears that song loves that song i know it's going to be it's not happening at this moment why i don't know mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna sit at home questioning why isn't it happening maybe that connection isn't ready the guy who's gonna put it on the map for me because mm-hmm. it's getting it's getting further and, and further the video was done by a big time director who also does little wayne and French Montana, Enrique Iglesias, all over the place. The video is official. The song is official. For some reason, it hasn't taken off yet. The promotion's not 100% right yet. Mm-hmm. But when that does happen, I know that song is going to be the song. And that's not even like my particular style. It's more like an R&B rap song. Sure. But that's not really me. I'm more hard the way I, I rap. But mm-hmm. you need like a commercial song too to put you on. And then you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want to after that. Uh yeah, I kind of like lost my train of thought of where I was going with that and stuff. Maybe you could help me out. Uh, what we, we were getting into, uh, you know, we started that off about how you got into rap. And then I kind of like progressed with everything that's been happening. Well, yeah. that's how I started off. Uh, someone said something to me, why don't you be a rapper? And then the light went off in my head and I, I became a rapper. And not only became a rapper, I became the CEO of the company. And I've been able to get deals myself. I, I mean, and I'm also the one like, <laughs> it's kind of funny and stuff. There's been times with attorneys that I work with, they've given me the contracts back after and then I'll correct them after where I'll be like, well, what about this? This doesn't even make sense. They're like, oh, you're right. I'm like, what the fuck am I paying you people for? Like, I'm not even an attorney and I could see this shit isn't airtight. Mm-hmm. So I really learned to do a lot myself. Unfortunately, you can't do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. But since I've gotten out of that environment that I used to be in, I'm around a lot more successful people now and things go a lot smoother. The first time around, it took so long to get everything together. Now I'm moving at like lightning pace because yeah. I, I, I just, I don't, I'm not around negative people. I'm around people who actually encourage me and want to help me. And you know, we'll see what the, what, what tomorrow brings, what today brings. Like mm-hmm. any, you never know, like you never know where that break is going to come from. You could be like in the mall walking. Like I heard a story, Kanye West found one of his, uh, what's a stylist? Because the kid was walking through the mall and he saw his outfit and went over to him and go, you look fly as fuck. What, how do you put that together? And then he hired the guy as a stylist. So mm-hmm. when that kid woke up in the morning, he figured I'm going to go to the mall and go buy a pair of sneakers. And by the end of the day, he was Kanye West stylist. Yeah. I mean, like, who, who the, how does that happen? You know? His his connection was ready at that moment for a stylist, and that's why he they were walking down the mall together and they banged into each other. And mm-hmm. things happen like that all the time. So, like the advice I'd give to everyone is just be prepared for for what you want. Like visualize it before it happens, because mm-hmm. if you meet your connect and you're not prepared, it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. and you could blow your opportunity that way. So you got to think like every day, this is going to be the day it's going to happen and you got to be ready for it. Like, I mean, I'm getting more involved with the music obviously now because that's like what I do. So if if you meet, if you walk down the street, you bump into DJ Khaled or something and he's looking for an artist and tells you to spit something and, you know, let me hear a song and you don't have your stuff with you. It's like, oh, let me get back to you in a week. That That's not, that's not how it works. You got to be ready at that moment. Yeah. Same thing the way how Mace got his deal with Puffy. He went to a party to try and hang out with Jermaine Dupri. And 
they were like kind of blowing him off. And then I think like Puffy kind of overheard and was like, we're going to grab the Michaels. He's going to go on stage right now. If you like him, we're going to sign him to Bad Boy. If not, we're going to tell him to get the fuck out of here. Mm. He was ready. Yeah. If he would have been like, oh, no, wait, I don't have my show tape. I can't do it right now. They would have laughed at him, told him to get out. But yeah. because he was prepared for that moment, look what happened. So that's how I'm looking at things now. Just be prepared at any moment for your life to change. That's a, that's a good piece of advice. And being being more, um, I don't just being easier to approach. Yeah, that's one of the, you see people, you know, I was in, I was in uh, Portland, Maine, uh, a couple weeks ago and I was walking around and it was cool because it was kind of touristy but it was nice to see not a lot of people walking with their heads in their phones they were up they were talk. I mean every block I turned it was a group of people who I would have a conversation with and everyone human. was into talking like <laughs> yeah they were being human instead of instead of these zombies attached to their screens and um you know I had a conver- I, I, I went into this stall a uh, store that was a they had like a salt cave down there so you get all the health benefits from the sea salt and everything. And I'm talking to the worker. We're having a conversation about it. And then she leaves and there's a group of women in there and they start asking me questions because I, I know a lot about it with working with athletes and, and, and in the health realm. So I tell them, like, I don't work here, but I can answer some of your questions. And we start talking and down the line, the one lady works for the Patriots, asked me for my phone number. Like, if I wasn't in here, I wasn't having these conversations that I, know who, that I might never hear from that lady, but she, I gave her my card. That That's awesome. That's an awesome way to just, now my information's out there a little bit more. That wouldn't happen if I'm just sitting around, you know, tweeting about this awesome salt place instead of actually interacting with the people in the store. Yeah, a lost art is definitely interacting <laughs> with people. Myself, I've become a lot more approachable. I mean, you see how I walk around sometimes. I don't look approachable. I walk around looking mean as hell, you know. And But I, I like that in a way because it makes you not want to come near me and stuff. Yeah. But when you're being like the artist and stuff, you can't like do that. Like uh, the other day uh, at the gym, a kid came over to me. He was walking He was walking up to me and he had a look of like pure excitement on his face. And I'm like looking at the corner of my eyes like, what the fuck does this guy want? Like, I know he's about to walk over to me. And then he comes over to me like with the biggest smile on his face. And he goes, my new mixtape's called Verbal Battery. He goes, Verbal Battery is the greatest rap album I've ever heard in my life. And I just turned around. And I was like, oh, thank you very much, man. You know, and like, you know, I smiled at him and stuff. And he, mm-hmm. and he walked away. And like my friend saw, my friend like was laughing at everything. And we like, we started laughing up and back. But I like I told myself, I was like, well done. Yeah. Well done. In the past, you would have probably been a dick and given them a dirty look. Because you got to realize like when you're an artist and stuff, a lot of people mock you. Mm-hmm. So when they come over and stuff and they say things, you don't know like if they're making fun of you or if they're really genuinely behind you. So you're always defensive. So when someone comes over like that, your first instinct is like, yo, what the fuck's this guy about to say? Try and piss me off yeah. right now. But that wasn't. That was like a genuine fan moment where he was genuinely excited. Like he's like, your videos are awesome. Like he knew all the stuff. Like he was he was a fan. And it was, <clears throat> I was proud of myself the way I handled it. I was like, like, good job. Small doses. And I told myself, like, I was like, you see, that's God preparing you. Mm-hmm. When that starts happening in larger doses, you can't, you gotta, you, you can't do that. You can't tell people fuck off. You can't be a dick. Like we're all human. We have our mode, but you can, uh, you can lose a fan or make a fan in a split second just by the way you react. Mm-hmm. I remember I met, uh, Damon Waynes one time and I went over to him and I like put my arm on. And I was like, yo man, I think you're a great actor. And he smiled at me. He said, thank you very much. He put his drink down and he shook my hand. 
And those two seconds, he made a fan for life. Mm-hmm. I went and told everyone I knew that Damon Wayans was the coolest guy in the world because he he smiled at me, mm-hmm. shook my hand, he said thank you. In that same two seconds, if he would have looked at me and like, yo, whatever, man, I would have went and told everyone I know he's the biggest dick in the world. Don't go to any of his movies. Sure. So in those two seconds, he made a fan for life. And you know that's how it was like at that moment. And I felt proud of myself. The other day, you know how I am. I say a lot of inappropriate shit. You know, you? Yeah, sure? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it calm right now. But uh, a girl was taping me, like when, filming you, filming me when I do. And I went, "What are you doing?" And I went, "Delete it right now," because I was saying some crazy shit. And I made her delete the thing right in front of me. And I said to myself, "See, you're being prepared." When you're Lord Payback and the whole world knows who you are and you can't walk down the street and people, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You can't grab everyone's phone out their hand and say, Mm -hmm. give me that shit. It just doesn't work like that. So you have to be more mindful of what you're saying and who's around. Because we all say stupid things when we're talking with our boys in anything and anyone who is too judgmental of celebrities and stuff, when they get caught saying something stupid, they're just a full of shit person Mm because they probably said worse or the same exact thing. But when you talk to your boys and when you're talking on a a grand forum, it's it's very different Uh and stuff. So, but with cell phones today, everyone tapes everything. You gotta be very careful what you say because everything gets blown out of context so much yeah so i like i learned some lessons you know about you know being more approachable and stuff and you know it's it's okay you know Mm -hmm. you don't have to always have your guard up and if someone gets within three feet of you get in you know you know krav maga killing mode (laughs) you know yeah no that that, that's for for sure something that with between phones between social media like how much longer is it going to be until that that censorship is is all there is because you're being not in a paranoid way. I don't know, sound like conspiratorial here, but everything's documented, everything's filmed, or everything's online. Everything you say, you don't even know someone's recording, it, and then all of a sudden it's out there. Like there's a certain point where you're not going to be able to censor yourself, right? And then take that to the point that you made where. You know, you could use the example. The, the easiest example would be when Donald Trump had the whole "grab by the pussy" thing. Ninety-nine percent of the people that are up in arms about that statement had said and or done things so much worse I'm than sure. that statement. I'm sure. Why are you getting mad? It's because this this person that we that some people want to rule the free world is supposed to mimic this this character caricature of perfect uh, of perfection. No one's perfect. No, no, it, no one's that perfect is, where they it, don't say anything that you might think inappropriate that someone else might think is hysterical. It's just, it, it's your interpretation. I usually do. You, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, you, you you're right. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. People get up in arms about things. Uh, there's an expression uh, in the Bible. It says, "Remove uh, remove uh, the plank from your own eye before you see the speck in someone else's." Sure. So that's like kind of what you're saying right there. That's exactly what it is. People get up in arms about things that they've all done and stuff. I'll give like another example. Obviously, this is a horrible thing. Like if someone's drunk driving and they they kill somebody Mm -hmm. like with the car and stuff. And then you got people out there, that piece of shitty drunk driving and everything. Who in their life honestly has not driven at one point or another and been drunk? Me. Okay, you've never driven drunk. <laughs> That's because I don't drink. Okay, you don't drink at all. Okay, so I would say, okay, so you really can't relate to this, okay? Anyone out there who's ever had a drink, 99% of the people out there at one point or another yeah, sure. have, have driven when they shouldn't be driving, but they were fortunate enough to not 
crash right. into someone and God forbid kill an mm-hmm. innocent person. But to be so judgmental and then say things like this person should die and stuff, I guarantee you did the same thing. Yeah, You were just fortunate enough not to freaking kill someone or crash your car and stuff. Because mm-hmm. anyone who drink, if you don't drink at all, obviously this doesn't apply to, but anyone who's had a drink in their life, I would guarantee 99% of those people at one point or another in their life have driven when they would have failed a drunk driving test. Sure. And if you tell me otherwise, you're full of shit. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely true. I mean, even and at that, a step further is like, that That becomes a whole nother conversation of if you're, you know, let, let's say you and I were out and I had a drink and you had three, we might be at the same level of impairment. Yeah, you could be. Right? Yeah. So who's to say when you take a drunk driving test, when you take a breathalyzer, like, well, someone might be used to that level of impairment so now who's to say like that that person that blows or whatever mm-hmm. on the breathalyzer how, how are they not able to drive legally when they're perfectly fine they could they could pass a sobriety test but they blew you know whatever on a breathalyzer they could balance on one leg they could do all that weird shit whereas someone like myself who might you know pass a breathalyzer barely but not be in any condition to drive because i'm not used to being in that environment mentally yeah, I, I like honestly, I don't know how any of that works with like the breathalyzer and stuff. I understand what you're saying. Uh, it's like different people's tolerances are different, so you don't right. you don't truly know, you know what? Thank God I've never had to take a breathalyzer. I've been mm-hmm. pulled over drunk driving, but for me to tell you that I've never have in my life, I'd be full of shit. Yeah, I've actually I've caught in breaks. I've been pulled over times where. I, I've been drinking, but they, they gave me a break. The cop never even asked. Mm-hmm. And I knew they had to know, but he, he wanted to cut me a break. The same way I could, you know, if I got a guy who wasn't so, you know, compassionate towards me, I, I could be, you know, in a lot worse situation. Sure. And God forbid I would have hurt somebody. Yeah. That's why I don't really drink anymore. <clears throat> Get too violent. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of, like, I want to go back to, so you, you, you started rapping or, or getting into rap at, at a, how old were you, teenager? Just on another note, so everyone knows, I just got a text message that Ezekiel Elliott has been suspended for six games, I believe. So I'm a Philadelphia Eagle fan, so I'm really happy. But fuck him. Let's get back to that. <laughs> that all went right over my head because I don't know shit about football. Okay, everyone else in the world, this guy doesn't drink and doesn't watch football. I don't even know why I'm on the show I'm anymore. Not, I'm I don't know what the fuck we're even going to talk about. I myself American. <laughs> my God, yo. Sheesh. <laughs> um, but so, h- how old were you when you when you started? Uh, you know, when, when you had that conversation with that guy, who, you know, told you you should be a rapper. I was a little like a uh, early twenties. Okay, so you you weren't really into it deep when you were a teenager. Listening to it. Okay. Who? So who were your influences when you were young? Listening to it. It's like people, who do I want to sound like, or not even sound like? But there was who, no one I ever wanted to sound like. I, <clears throat> I like, I don't sound like anybody out there, mm-hmm. and that's just, I know everyone says that. Just listen to the music if you don't believe me. Like, there's no people don't really compare me to anybody. I'm not like you know me. I'm the, you would say I'm a pretty unique person, unique right? Yeah, I'm uncomparable. I mean, I'm not like anybody out there. Uh, I don't really like have influences in stuff like like I think Eminem maybe influenced me as far as being white because I was like oh shit look what this guy could do it yeah you know what I'm saying because at that time there weren't really there weren't white rappers at right. that time like a Vanilla Ice set back like the whole race for like you know decades <laughs> and stuff with his thing uh, there were there actually I shouldn't even say that because if you really know your history of rap music there were white rappers before Eminem just rap music wasn't 
on such a large scale with the Beastie the, Boys. The Beastie Boys. I mean, there was Third Base. There, there, there were other people. Yeah. Well, the Beastie Boys were huge. Yeah, I mean, they're Jewish guys from Brooklyn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe they should have been my influencers right there. See, I didn't really listen to them, to be honest, though. Yeah. Like, I had a friend who listened to them, so he used to play it, and I would listen to it with him. But other than that, like, I related the first rap group I ever related to was NWA. Okay. That's what got me heavy into it. The mm. first time I heard Straight Outta Compton, I was like, holy shit, what is this? Like, you're yeah. talking about saying what you want to say. Yeah. And I related to that. I was like, these guys, like, you know, I was a little, little kid. Like, I shouldn't have no business listening to that, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. And then, you know, whatever, 20 years later, I mean, look, the freaking movie, there's a movie out about it. Like, when, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was a great movie. It was a great movie. That, that, did movie, you watch that new show on HBO with them? The, uh, I think it's called The Defiant Ones. I didn't because I kind of know the whole story with everything. So, is it, a, is it about NWA or is I it about saw rappers? pieces of it. It's with Ice Cube and Dre and uh, the, the label. And okay. I, I saw Bruce Springsteen on it at one point because I was flicking through. So, I'm not 100% sure, but I know it did have to do with nwa uh in some aspect but i i don't know the whole show could have been about them or 10 minutes could have yeah. been about them. it's like i know the story so it's like it's the same thing to me over and over again so i can't really watch it and straight out of compton was so accurately depicted because mm -hmm. i remember like certain things that were said in that movie when i would hear the interviews with them being a little kid and it was almost verbatim to what was said. Sure. So it was so accurate. Well, it was accurately depicted because they did the yeah. movie as opposed to letting someone else do it. Uh, but uh, influence-wise, I, I don't really I don't really know, man. Like, if you ask me, like, I have favorite artists who I think are dope, but yeah. I don't know. Who would like, some of those be? Like, obviously, DMX, well, DMX is my favorite artist mm -hmm. of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh See me. He probably he also helped open me up spiritually because if you know DMX's music, he's always talking to God, and he he has songs like on almost every album. One song's talking to God, and one song's talking to the devil mm -hmm. on both songs because he's real. Like that's to me like he's like one of the realest rappers ever. He says what he wants to say. I mean, I know he gets in trouble a lot, but that's just like that's him. Mm -hmm. That's him. That'd be someone I would love to meet. That like I've never met in life would be DMX. I really like uh, I like Ace Hood a lot. Another thing, like Ace Hood, like we have a lot, like we have things similar. Like he'll be talking like one line about, you know, like shooting someone and next line he'll like quote the Bible or something, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like how I am and I, I could relate, I could relate to, I could relate to that. I like people who are real in music or anything. I don't really care if you're the hardest thug on the block who's killed 26 people or you're the biggest nerd in the room with the glasses on and reading books uh, every day for your life. If you are yourself, I can get along with you. Mm -hmm. I have had friends on every realm of the spectrum, every nationality you can think of. I'm white. Most of my friends are black. My wife's Dominican. It's like I, I've experienced, I'm not going to say every culture because that's probably an ignorant statement, but right. I have experienced the majority of cultures out there and I can get along with anybody and I can relate to them because I know about different people's cultures and stuff. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Have you traveled a lot? I've or, traveled or to like yeah. other countries to see those people, to, you know, I've been to, well, other, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been to Spain. Spain is the most amazing place I've ever went to. I went to Madrid and Barcelona. It's what I've heard from everyone who's it, been there. It's, um, it's <laughs> it, I mean, you, Spain is an amazing country. Uh, that was just awesome. I was very lucky. I was actually in Madrid when they were com 
competing to get the Olympics. Okay. So it was like they were putting on their grand show of let's show the whole world what Madrid is. I mean, I had no idea when I went down there that's what it was. We just yeah. got lucky. Uh, we went like on the train to go like see a park or something. And then we looked like that at the corner eye. And when I tell you we saw people, I mean, I can't, the whole country was there. I mm -hmm. couldn't believe how many people. So we walked in that direction. We even know we're like, what the fuck is going on? There was a concert. People were performing TVs everywhere. And the angle that we walked in, we were like right by the stage. Like when I tell you there was people, I don't know how many people are in Madrid. Say there's 200,000 people in Madrid. There was 150,000 people at this event. I mean, it was, you couldn't even see with the naked eye how far the people were. And we went there. And then the next day we went to Barcelona. The next day they found out that they weren't going to get the Olympic bid. So yeah. we saw them like in the height of, let's show the whole world how awesome Madrid is. And yeah. then we weren't there for the lull of shit. We didn't get it. And then we went to Barcelona and Barcelona was just as amazing. And they're very different. I mean, I've been to the DR, to Costa Rica. Uh, you talking out of the country? Yeah. Like Aruba. I mean, I've done shows in other states and stuff too, where like I've mm -hmm. I've traveled around. Because uh, I love going. I mean, I name a country. Been, I don't know. I'll tell you if I've been there. Well, the place I've gone to quite a bit is Jamaica. See, I've never been to Jamaica, and I I love it there. Um, just because it is, it's obviously laid back. There's not a. It's yeah. not the hustle and bustle compared to America, compared to New York specifically. But there's also this like they're they're religious, but they they're very there's no worry. And if if any type of people or any group of people would be right to worry, it's it's people in a country similar to that where they you look around, it's like, okay, they have they're living in a literal hut. That could fall down at any minute. They have n just enough food every day, just enough water every day, but they're happy. They're smiling and singing songs. Like, well, they're high. Uh, th that, <laughs> sure, I'm sure that plays a role in it. But I remember being a kid the first time I went there. I was, I was a how old was I? I think I was a, I was a teenager, and I remember, you know, coming home and I was there with all my family and I was talking to my uncle and I was like, that really stuck with me to see these people who have nothing but they're happy they don't care they're just enjoying life like that's and he told me he's like yeah that's it's really you know good that you noticed that at a young age but just remember usually that doesn't stick once you get back to america that kind of you, you forget about it but it never did i still to this day every morning like if i turn on the water brush my teeth i, I think in the back of my mind like how, like that just the fact that i could turn a faucet and have running water how lucky that is and i am to have that and that's why i like traveling to less developed countries and meeting and talking to the people just to see like okay like you were saying earlier there's no reason to worry like if, the, if you're not worrying what the fuck do i have to worry or complain about when i'm back home in america on you know i have a cell phone in a car and there's no reason for me to complain i'll tell you a funny story about jamaica my uh it's like almost verbatim what you said my boy went to jamaica on vacation with his girl he fell in love with the country so much she told her i'm not leaving mm -hmm. and she's like what do you mean he's like i'm not leaving like you don't have to stay with me and she didn't stay and he stayed there and he like became cool with like a certain village and stuff no one worked but every, the whole community they just helped each other like so they fished in the morning yeah. someone did this and he actually like lived in jamaica for years mm -hmm. and just became Part of the part of the whole country, white dude wound up with the you know the dreads and everything down there, but just sure. loved loved the people in the country so much. He actually was like, "I'm not leaving and stayed." I mean, yeah. not many people would do that. He's free spirit. Yeah, it's. I think the toughest part for me would be the weather. 
Last time I was there was in like mid September of last year, and it was like near a hundred every day. And it's not like you're walking in a house with air conditioning. There was there's, uh, you know, if you're lucky, you have a fan in your bedroom. You crack open the windows, but it's toasty. I don't do well in the heat. But even just traveling around the states, um, you know that that's the way your friend is is exactly how I was when I was out in San Diego. I got there and it was immediately like I. I liked it so much I started looking for apartments it's like I don't want to go back and that's still the same country it's just the opposite side of the country but completely different vibe completely different people different culture um, calmer slower and again it's probably because we're all high well New York's not friendly <laughs> we're not friendly we're not friendly people in New York but you're a lot more friendly in Long Island than you are in Brooklyn I'll tell you that yeah and I'll well, now and, and nowadays too, you're probably more friendly in Brooklyn than you are somewhere like the Bronx, just because it seems Brooklyn like it's weird. Manhattan, like not as many people are living in Manhattan now. It's like everyone wants to live in Brooklyn. It's it got so built up in this hipster community with like Williamsburg and and these other small areas in there that that's where people want to live now. Yeah, it's also probably cheaper than living in the city. Yeah, although I don't I don't know. I think now, now it's, it's, it's getting, not it's cheap. Getting more more expensive. Yeah, but. And that's another thing, like, you know, talking about living places, it's so expensive to live here. Um, not that it's any cheaper to live somewhere like California, but it's so expensive. And it just, you sit back and think about it, is it worth it? Is it worth it to, to live here? You know, I, I've been trying to travel and see as many states as I can. And I was up in, I was up in New Hampshire. I'm like, okay, there's beautiful green forests as far as I could see. I can go hike every day if I want, different trails, rivers, places to go kayak and paddleboard, and awesome people, nice people, friendly people. Dirt cheap comparatively to New York, you know, a place in the Northeast. It's just, uh, it's just that weather. It's those Northeast winters. Yeah, you can move, you can move, you can move a lot of different places and you could get a lot more for your dollar than here. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's why you're in New York. Right. There's nothing like New York where you go into the city and you look around and do that. But it's like what you want in life. Yeah. At different stages in life, as you get older, you probably want less of that and you want to move to more quiet mm -hmm. areas and stuff. Yeah. Murder. <laughs> well, you t and you brought this kind of like tying this back into what you said earlier about, you know, being, being young, enjoying living in that environment or, or not living, but you know, spending, voluntarily spending your time in that environment um, to now looking back on it and thinking, what, you know, what the fuck was I thinking? Wanting to do that, but... Yeah, I put myself in dangerous situations for no reason. Yeah. And but you know, I loved it. And well, one of the things you said was, is, you know, becoming yourself, becoming who you are. Yeah, I... And, and being who you are. And like you said, you could, you could be the toughest guy or the nerd in the room with books. And as long as you are who you are. And one of the, the things I've been getting out of this podcast and been getting out of kind of since I got out of college and, and having seeking mentors, seeking books and, and education and, and, and just to keep learning is is figuring out who I am as a person, being in my you know um, early 20s, realizing that through school, I kind of always just growing up, did what your parents told you to do or, or told me to do. Then I'd be around the, my friends and just felt like I had to fit in. So whatever my friends were doing, that's what I was into. and being able to look back and reflect and pick the little pieces that I knew were genuinely me, you know, the, the, some of the music I listened to or some of the sports or activities I did, the hobbies I had, 
and taking those and keeping those, but then getting rid of all the bullshit that was kind of programmed onto me or by other people, by other influences. Um, did you feel like that was something that you had to do or you were, you were always coming up as your own genuine self? No, really not at all. I, I took me a very long time in life to find myself. Very long time. I think, and I think it takes most people now. I always was trying to act like someone else or mm -hmm. be somebody else and do things like that. And then it actually took, uh, when I, uh, I started to find myself more after I was going to get thrown out of college. Mm -hmm. Cause then I was like, you know what, whatever I was doing, I was like, if I did it my way, I wouldn't have got caught. I was, I was listening to other people and they were telling me, yo, just no, don't worry about it. That's not going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm smarter than all these stupid fucks. Why, <laughs> why am I listening to anyone anymore? And then I started to like become myself after that. So like, it's kind of weird. Like we talked about before, a bad situation was a blessing. Mm -hmm. I found myself. I got into a better school. I got my shit together. I met my future wife. I have a beautiful baby boy now, you know, so... If none of that happened, maybe none of this happened. Yeah. Even though I feel like, you know, I probably would have met her somewhere else in life. Mm -hmm. I feel like kind of when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But, uh, you know, but no, hell no. I was, I, it took me a long time to find who I was. I was always trying to, to be something I wasn't and stuff. Once you find yourself, I mean, my mentor in life, you talked about having mentors before and stuff. I have a great spiritual mentor, wonderful, beautiful woman who's taught me so much about life and God and things like that. She had told me, uh, stop trying to connect with everyone else. Connect with yourself. Mm -hmm. Once you connect with yourself, everyone automatically connects with you. And it's true. You know how I am. You see me. You yeah. see me. I walk around all day. Wherever I am, I own the room. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't worry about anywhere I go. I can go anywhere. I've gone to state after state, the worst neighborhoods and places, and I, I have no fear of anything. I just really don't. I feel like I'm the fucking person in the room everyone needs to be worried about, so I don't really care where I go. And I'm very connected with myself. So people people flock to me all the time. They don't even know it, why they're attracted to come over to me. If you have peace with yourself, everyone else will make peace with you. But I do think it takes a very long time before you actually know who you are. Mm -hmm. now, how, how did, what was some of your um, either lessons, which you, I guess you kind of talked about already, but, but some of your methods for figuring that out you know like it seems like you're you're you said you weren't you're not religious but you're spiritual um was that kind of a tool for you yeah i mean that's a big tool when i say not religious and spiritual see i'll clarify it because some people don't understand what that means like religion to me and i'm not knocking religion in any way if you find god through religion that's great find him however you can find him religion to me is like a set of rules and guidelines do this don't do this mm -hmm. you know and I don't particularly follow that. I have more like a personal relationship with God. So that's like being spiritual. Sure. Like I listen to, like, you know, I, I'm Jewish, but I, I've probably gone to church more in my life than I've gone to synagogue. You know, I've, I've gone to both and stuff. It's just whatever related to me. Like I believe there's one God. So what's the difference? It's all the same thing then. If you're all trying to get to the same person and this well, person, whatever it is, the yeah, same yeah. deity, but... <laughs> What's the difference if you if you find God? Some people find God in prison. Some God people yeah. find God, you know, the Malcolm X. I mean, people people find God any different way. So I'm more into. I'd rather have a personal relationship with God where I can talk to Him than you know specifically just follow rules and guidelines that mm -hmm. tell me this is how you get to Him. Because I think everyone gets to Him a different way. 
that's my own personal thing. But like I just so I reclarify, I don't want anything to be taken out of context. I'm not saying if you follow a specific religion and following strict guidelines is how you have your relationship with God. I'm not knocking that at all. Mm-hmm. Good for you. That's yeah. just not how it worked for me. Yeah, well, I think it's all interpretive, right? Like you could read, you could read the Bible. I could read the same book, and we could both take very different stances on what we just Absolutely. read. And none of us are not necessarily right or wrong. It's just your interpretation of that yeah. specific book. And yeah. one of the things, you know, I, when I was growing up, my mom and I lived with my grandparents for quite a bit and they, they definitely tried to push religion on myself, not so much my sister, but definitely on me. And I just remember at a very young age, I was always like, I'd start asking questions. Like they take me to the Sunday school and I get dropped off and I would start asking questions in the classroom. Like, but you know, this doesn't add up or that doesn't add up. And it was little simple things. And they would always just tell us, um, kind of bullshit answers. But at at seven or eight years old, I was just like, I, but that's not good enough for me. That's not good enough explanation. And then I would, when I got old enough to not have to listen to my, you know, my, my mother or my grandparents and start to form my own opinions, I kind of, did a, a total turn and was was very angry and very like against religion and anti you know the complete opposite of what they wanted and now as I got older I've, I've become much more not only tolerant but accepting to other people's religious beliefs as long as they're not Pushing them, forcing them you on know, you. Yeah, they have when you're force fed something, you don't. You go in the right. opposite direction. Yeah. With, it does anything. Yeah. It's like sometimes, like the the preacher's kid is the wildest kid of the group because he just doesn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, I no, I get it. I kind of figured that's where you were going with it when you were yeah. when you were saying that. Well, and for me, the the way I kind of came back to that connection was, you know, med- meditation was a big tool, flotation tanks are a big tool, and then the biggest tool was psychedelics. <laughs> For me, that was the biggest thing. Of like, oh wait, there's way more than just this that's going on right here, and it was this. What do you mean psychedelics? Mushrooms. Oh, okay, I, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant drugs. I was just wasn't yeah, hundred percent sure. Yeah. I've never done any of that shit, so I right. Didn't well, know. that's why I was asking about the tools because I know you're not big into substances, and, no. and, and I'm a I'm a big you know fan of psychedelics. I I'm, I'm I think they could be very useful. I think they could be fun too, but I, I don't like the idea of taking them in a party setting. I like the idea of taking them as a tool and really trying to do some work on yourself, and you, you know, use the f- them, you the, don't let them use you. Right. And the first time I used them was this, this giant eye-opening experience of like, this is just one planet. This is a big universe. And whatever language you want to use, uh, you know, that's the one thing that gets clunky with religion with terms like uh, like religion, like God, like your soul or your spirit or, or any of these words people can get hung up on. But, it, you know, it... it Definitely didn't make me religious. Like you were saying, I don't necessarily agree with the, the confine of a, a religion to tell me what I can and can't do when and where I need to be. And, you know, you have to come to church to talk to God. Oh, if I believe in God, I could talk to him wherever the fuck I want. You can talk to him right now. Me, yeah. yeah. I want to have to pay you to come in. You're, like, it's, there's a lot of baggage there, but I've definitely come to be more accepting to, to everyone's religion, to now actually reading about it and trying to understand it and learn from these, you know, between things like Christianity where it's, it's this very um, monotheistic religion to something like Hinduism where there's tons of gods to ancient Greek mythology where there's a fucking god for everything. There's a god of, for, for thievery. Like they, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just interesting to see the commonalities between all of them and just say, okay, you're, why, is, why is everyone arguing? Like you're all saying the same thing just in a different way. 
just like I don't get it. And that's I a, agree. It's a, it's a it's a rant there, but um. No, I agree. What's interesting is I see, you know, I listen to a little bit of rap. I've definitely grew up. I listen to a lot of Eminem. I listen to a little bit of NWA, like Rock Him. If I'm going a little bit, you know, older. I mean, Rock Him um, is dope. Uh, Army of the Pharaohs, something like that. The more underground, underground, tougher, I guess, sounding music, heavier music. Um, and there's always this paradox in, in almost every song where, on one line, they're talking about God and religion, and then another line they're talking about something violent and I'm just well, how how does that work I understand like there's a lot of violence in the bible use, oh no I, I understand <laughs> that completely yeah. but um but the the what I what I try to figure out is like what's the the mindset into writing a song not necessarily like that I'm using the, that you know the, the that kind of paradox of of religion and then you know killing this guy for stealing or whatever whatever it might be um but you can take any context or any situation. What's that process of, of sitting down to like write these songs? Is it more about making sure that it flows to the beat, or is it more about making sure the message is right? Or like, like what's the priority in a song? I think that would depend on the individual artist. So in your case, like both of those things. Like it, it, to be a dope artist, you should flow over the beat you should have a message it depends on the particular song mm -hmm. i don't have any preconceived notions of what i'm going to write before i do a song sure i hear the beat and the beat tells me what to write okay from just the sounds i hear in the beats th things just start coming in my head you like I mean, to hear the music first and then write always that's, yeah that's, that's the that's to me the proper way to do it because well that's how you're flowing over the beat sure if you're writing something prior and then you're going to make it flow over that beat it's mm -hmm. never going to be like 100 percent correct everyone's got their own way of doing things i mean that some artists out there that have taken off if you really like if you understand music some of them really don't know what they're doing but it's just something worked about it but if you're talking about like the the skill sets of it to me you should you should have a the song should be about something and it should flow properly mm -hmm. nowadays rap music isn't really most of these guys don't say anything they mumble and they they blah, 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 blah. I like that, i don't even understand half the shit that they're saying to me i don't like that that's whack to me because you should you should rap is about lyrics and, and, and saying things but you should have a flow and be able to ride the beat also yeah. it should be like how a surfer rides a wave well, that's where I, I a lot of the students i work with come in in the gym they want to toss on their music and it's and um, every song, first of all, what do you mean the, their music? Well, they, they, like they, they ask, like, can I put my phone in for or my iPod? Oh, play in for, the for, artists like, to, that to they like. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're not yeah. talking about them doing it on no, their no, own. No, 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 okay. yeah, See, when that. someone says it's, my music, I right. think my music. I, yeah, no, okay. they ask, like, can I, can I play, you know, the songs on my phone or whatever? And, and yeah, go ahead. And they'll put on rap, and I don't know any of the rappers' names, mm -hmm. but it's all relatively new. And in my mind, and I'm sure someone could say the same thing about what I listen to because I like a lot of reggae. And people could say like, oh, it all sounds the same. To me, the rap they're putting on specifically all sounds the same. That should be fine. I get it at that out. They're going to come here next. Okay. They do my house too, just so, just so you know. All right, all right we'll, we'll wrap this we'll up wrap soon. it up we here. Well, the landscapers. Okay. Um, but it, it gets frustrating. I'm like, why are you listening to this? They're saying the same thing 
as the last guy you had on. The beat sounds almost exactly the same. The cadence is the same. There's no, there's no difference. Whereas if I listen to someone like Eminem, and I put that album on from start to finish. Eminem is one of the greatest people to ever do rap music. Yeah. It's like reading a book. A lot of stuff nowadays is shit. Yeah. Like, you know, there's some guys who are okay, but a lot of it is shit. But that's also, I don't believe that's going to last forever like that. Like, rap music is very warded down now. Any Anyone would tell you that. Anyone who knows anything about rap, if they want to argue, this isn't like, this is far from the golden era of rap music right now, you know? But everything comes back around eventually. Mm-hmm. It's all cyclical. Eventually, it comes back around. So, maybe I'll be the one to bring it back around. Okay, so we're back inside. Got away from the landscapers. I want to wrap this up, but um, I want to have you do two things. First, this is going to ask you the same question that I ask pretty much everybody when I do these podcasts, which is, I'm 24. And, you know, we kind of t- touched on it earlier, trying to figure out more about who I am and, and things, things I should be doing in life, things I shouldn't be doing. If you could go back and have a conversation with your 24-year-old self, what is something you would say? Either like one piece of advice or a thing to avoid, a thing to do, a situation you could you, you, knew, you know you're going to handle in the future that you can handle better. Just, just something important that you would tell your 24-year-old self. You know, to be honest, I wouldn't tell my 24-year-old self anything. I just let it all play out because I think, like I said before, just whatever happens is for a reason and a lot of the mistakes that past who made me who I am today like I'm not saying that I was flawless at 24 years old and I couldn't have made better decisions because I definitely could have but I wouldn't I wouldn't tell myself anything I'd let myself just play it all out and I like where I am and I like who I've become and I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't have become who I am as a person without fucking up a lot so I'll just I'll, I'll let my I'll let him ride it out I haven't got that answer yet, have you? Um, no, I don't think so. It's, it's not a bad answer. You know how I am. We are just, <laughs> I'm different. I'm a different type of dude, man. Like, that's cool. And every, everyone could go back and say, I would change this. I would change that. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Like, I, And I've had a rough life. I've had a lot of bad shit happen to me. But I wouldn't. I'm a strong person. And I'm a strong person because I went through all those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made many bad, bad decisions in every aspect of life. Financially, spiritually, mentally, physically. Like, anything you could think of, I've done wrong. But... I am I am who I am because of all this. So we'll ride it out. Awesome. So what? Uh, you know, I know you have your album. You came out. You, you switched up your name a little bit. Um, you want to plug whatever you, whatever you have. People can go find your music. People can go check your, your stuff out. Social media, anything like that. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know that that does help, right? Uh, yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know, I go by the stage name Lord Payback. You could check me on my website www.lordpayback.com. Uh, we just released the Payback T-shirts and the mixtape Verbal Battery Volume 1. Verbal Battery Volume 2 should be done by the end of summer. And we're going to keep putting out a lot of material. So check it out. Very versatile. If you like lyrics, you like hot beats, you like rap music, then you should like Lord Payback. All right? What about uh, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that? Yeah, same, same, thing? same thing. Everything's Lord Payback. Uh, Instagram, Lord Payback. Twitter, Lord Payback. I think that Twitter has two L's in it. Uh but, you know, the website, www.lordpayback.com, you can see everything. Like, the links to everything are on there. So, yeah. YouTube, Lord Payback. It's just type in Lord Payback, you'll find me. 
How did you come up with that name? Uh, <laughs> it's well, it's actually that's an interesting story in itself. Well, number one, the, I. I I was I was listening to uh, I mean I I want obviously payback for a lot of things that happened to me the first go around with the music that we kind of touched on briefly uh, I was listening to a G Unit song and uh, Young Buck said something about it. I'm getting payback from way back and I was like yeah like and I was and I yeah I was like yeah yeah and I was trying to and at the time I was switching up my name but I, it hadn't come to me yet but I was like I'm gonna let God like give me my new name mm-hmm. and i was like payback i was like i like that i was like payback that's cool i was like i want to add something to it though and i was like going like major payback general payback like something but it, it wasn't hitting for me mm-hmm. and then uh no it is a funny story. i'm actually legally a lord and i know this is gonna sound really funny because i see your face right now legally uh lord. i'm legally a lord one of my friends actually uh she bought me a plot of land in scotland where you're <laughs> legally a lord if you own property in this section of Scotland. So I got like the certificate and the sigil and the whole thing. So I am legally a lord. And uh, I was at the gym working out and one of my friends walked by and he walked by and said, me lord, like that. <laughs> and then it popped in my head. I said, oh shit, lord payback. That's it. <laughs> and it just came to me. And I was like, and there's a story behind it because I actually really am a lord so there's kind of there's some funny funny shit with that so lord payback there you go all right man excellent well we'll wrap this up thank you lord payback (laughs) uh everyone go check out some music um and just you know we call him white rice just you know yeah that's my nickname i'll I'll call (laughs) that's gonna be his rap name white rice i'm changing all my social media to at white rice at white rice (laughs)